Don't forget to listen to Jowson's original EDM, techno, and house music tracks on Apple Music, Amazon Music, and Spotify. Just search for Jowson J-A-U-S-A-N for the playlist. Also, you may go to YouTube and search for Jowson Topic. Enjoy! Jawson, drop that beat to start the episode. We welcome you to the Romantic Truth Podcast. The content of this podcast is intended for an adult audience due to the nature of sensitive subject matter and topics. Share the experience of Romantic Truth with friends on Google, CastBox, Spotify, Podcast Addict, Radio Public, Breakers, Apple, or any other podcast platform. Just type in Romantic Truth in the search and subscribe. Now, here is the host of Romantic Truth, Jowson. Hi everyone, Jowson with you here, Romantic Truth, Las Vegas. It's the 11th of March, 2022. Hope all is well. Let's talk about a subject that comes up and many of you have talked about this, you've written in about it, and this is something that affects every relationship. We're talking about being an appeaser, people pleaser, fool for love, and if you're a self-hater, a victim, or in some way, a masochist. Now, that's a lot. But some of you wind up contributing to the behavior that qualifies in one of these categories. A lot of times people will take appeasement. In other words, what you're doing is walking on eggshells, trying to find favor, curry favor, with that individual that you so desire in a relationship. Now, the question that a lot of people ask about this, should they lower their standards and boundaries for their person? You have to realize this. Think of standards and boundaries as a risk. It's more or less like you're an insurance company. And the reason why you set these up, those are your risk tolerances. This is where you start to worry. Because when you get to bending these rules or lowering them, you run the risk of, of course, being hurt, losing your dignity, losing your self-identity, and it goes on and on. It snowballs. Now, most people that get in relationships don't go in thinking that they have to appease. We're going to start with just appeasing for right now. But they realize that that person that they are pursuing may want to only hear positive things about themselves. They only want to hear positive news. So, therefore, even though you know that, yes, there are some positive aspects of the relationship, but there may be also some things that may be of concern. This person may want to cherry-pick and not hear about those things of concern. And so you appease them by going in, kissing up to them, and only filtering what they would like to hear. Some of you are in relationships like that now. You're telling your partner the things that they would like to hear that would make you in better stead with them. Make them like you a little bit more. Make them tolerate you a little bit more. Probably make you accept make them accept you. It depends. Because some people will confuse appeasement with compromise. And this is where you tar- start to tilt the scales. See, you got to remember one thing. 
appeasement makes the other person feel better and it makes you feel nervous because as you're appeasing this person at some point you may lie to them you may give them a false sense of self especially if you're with a narcissist they want you to stroke that ego and so as you do this to coexist with this person you may have concerns of your own because you've gone past some of your boundaries past your comfort zone now here's the thing though in some cases it's okay to go outside of your comfort zone as long as you know you have a way back to it in other instances you may go out of your comfort zone to appease this person and there may not be a way back take for instance you're an innocent little church girl that grew up in a midwestern town and you become an adult you're in your 20s you've been dating this bad boy since high school but the bad boy's done minor things nothing really serious so you thought it was entertaining well now that he's an adult he may want to prove himself how bad he is how cool he is or that he's this man that people should fear through intimidation so he may up the ante and get involved in some very nefarious activities that will put you in a bad situation and make you feel as though you start to question your own judgment when you get to this point with a person this is when you've crossed the line when you're questioning your own values judgment and morals and you look behind your boundaries and you say my boundaries are back there but I'm here now at this point you have gone too far now many people will do this in order to make sure that they have more of a stake in the relationship some people do this so that they can just have a voice in the relationship a few years ago there was a couple that was in Van Nuys well it was a few decades ago and what happened the husband and you can read about it you can google it the guy was a serial killer and this lady had no intentions she had a good background she was I believe a nurse but she had problems with her vision and to prove herself to him to appease him she murdered someone so that she could get recognized so she could be heard so she'll be respected now the thing you have to understand is this this can take you down a bad path or it can take you down a good path a good path of appeasement would be person's going to the gym you're not going but you compliment them on the physical workout now here's the thing that person says well in order for us to be together you're going to work out with me so that we both can stay healthy even though you're coming out of your comfort zone of Doritos and Twinkies you're saying you know you may be right and that way it will help you better your situation as far as health and what this does in essence it tightens the bond in the relationship you guys are both doing something together now so you don't feel left out but now that's more of a healthy appeasement and then once you're in that orbit with them your communication's improved consideration will improve <clears throat> and you won't be someone that will be the person that he tells you or she tells you about how great things are you can experience it yourself and what this has done is taking you out of your fearful comfort zone and brought you in more of a healthy environment because you were in a place where you probably could have had diabetes got overweight who knows this kind of keeps you on par Now there are other situations where of course this can be negative. 
and it gets to a point where <clears throat> the person will start making excuses in order to make you look good to make themselves look bad in order to appease you take for instance the person uh, is a partner of yours and they go around the house you guys are living together that person leaves the dirty clothes around uh, they expect you to clean up after them like a child and what they're saying to you is this I have more value in the relationship than you do. And you appease them by cleaning up after them and making excuses about, yeah, you know, uh, you don't go and tell them, put the clothes in the hamper. Instead, you say, well, you know, um, <clears throat> it's my job to make sure that the bathroom's cleaned up, my job to make sure that the kitchen and the living room's cleaned up. Because this person is so afraid of losing that individual that they would literally make sure it's their fault. They're the one to blame. They're the one who experiences the shame. They're the ones who assume the guilt. And so the only thing the partner has to do is make them feel in that sequence and they comport themselves to what they are doing, their role. Now, here's the other thing too. People who do this usually have low self-esteem if they go too far. They conflate compromise with appeasement. They also put themselves in a position where they are always in a situation of trying to prove themselves to their partner. So the way they look at it, they look at appeasement as being loyalty. They look at appeasement as part of the relationship. And they go in relationships like this. And then after they're in it, they may realize it's unfair. I want you to think about this in this context. It's just like you're working for a company. You're busting your ass. And then you look at your paycheck. And then you go online to salary.com or one of those websites. And you see that you're being paid well below the market rate in your area for the same job. You'd be kind of upset, right? You probably want to get a raise. <clears throat> well, this is the epiphany that some people have in their relationship when they start to realize hey, I have devalued myself. I see this is something that is done internally with you. The other person doesn't do this. You do this to yourself. Putting them on the pedestal. This is one of the very reasons why I talk about not putting people on pedestal. Because this is a common thing that will happen. And what you have to remember is this. Once this person has now normalized or accepted your appeasement that is part of the relationship as they see it. Now, usually, this does not go both ways. You're doing more work than they're doing for you. You're trying to cling on to the relationship and they realize their power is by being less concerned about the relationship. The less concern they show about it, the more you will try to appease them. And that's the draw. That's what keeps you chasing the carrot on the treadmill. Because <clears throat> as long as you're doing this, they have the power, they have the control. You have the low self-esteem, you have the insecurity of losing someone, especially if you have separation issues, abandonment issues, or if you're in a situation where you're fearful of emotional isolation. Because once you're in that point in the relationship, you fear being alone. You fear being abandoned. You fear being by yourself. 
because you feel as though you didn't do something right. And this is how guilt creeps in. Because the only thing they have to say is, hey, you're not doing what you usually would do. You're not cleaning up after me like you usually would. You're not doing this or doing that. Why are we eating TV dinners when you're supposed to be cooking? But see, that's your biggest fear, is to never allow that person to say that I have questions about your loyalty. That's key. Because then, they always have the weapons, blame, shame, and guilt, to make you comply. Because see, the thing is, you're complicit, but a lot of times you don't realize it. Now, this also goes with lending money to the partner. This also goes with paying more of the bills. This goes with things such as, um, and I've seen guys do this a lot, take care of all of the bills, and the wife or girlfriend will have her money to blow going on a girl's night out, taking trips, buying clothes, you name it. (coughs) Especially if she's an attractive woman that he probably couldn't be with if circumstances were different, if he didn't have the resources. And so, this is how people exploit it. And that both self-esteem thing works against you. More in a second. leads us into our next segment, people-pleasing. Now, individuals who are people-pleasers, they are more concerned about being rejected, not being included in a group. And you even find couples who are people-pleasers. They want to always have the best uh, reputation, the best light. They'll be willing to go in and maybe pay for things or even take the blame for things that are not even associated with them. You have individuals who will do this. They'll go out and buy things, purchase things, pay for things that are totally out of the scope of their responsibility. And the reason why they do this is to keep up their reputation, to be liked. See, appeasement has more to do with trying to be loved through loyalty. When it comes down to people pleasing, it's to be liked. Because they want to win these people over by being accountable and responsible. But they go up and beyond the call of duty when it comes down to that. They do too much. This is why you see a lot of people who will go through a party if there's a rift in relationships with friends, they throw a party in order to try to smooth things over. They may go out as friends, as an example, and the bill comes, and everybody's looking at each other, and you have that one individual that just opens their wallet or purse and pays for everything. And silently, they're probably pissed off at the world but they have that smile while they're crying inside. This is a level of insecurity when it comes down to detachment, not being associated with a group or with another individual. Usually, this doesn't stop with just the relationship. It's much deeper than that. This is within a person. And these individuals, who are their quote-unquote friends, family members in some cases, they know that this person will be the weakest link in the chain. So, this person will volunteer for things more often than other people. Volunteer to pay for things, volunteer to do chores, do things. Because they may be altruistic, thinking that they're doing it for the common good. They may gaslight themselves and think that these people like them. But what they would really like to do is to get affirmation. Just like the appeaser wants. Affirmation. 
The appeaser wants affirmation for their loyalty. The people pleaser wants affirmation for them being classified as a good person. So they have this desire. They're on this quest. And they will be the fool for that person or that group of people. You know, you see it in the workplace. Oh, don't worry about it. Lindsay will do it because she likes to stay and work overtime. They throw the responsibility in this person's lap by default because more than likely that person is going to go on and do it. Now, some of them do it for recognition. Don't get it twisted. Some people deliberately do this in order to be recognized. This is their way of seeking attention. I'll do this and I'll stand out and I'll be noticed and I'll be liked. I will get that approval, that affirmation that I'm a good person. Now, the sad truth is many of the people they're doing these things for could care less about them. But they get to a point where they do just enough to pat that person on the head to keep them doing what they're doing. Because the more work they do, the more things they do for them, the less they have to do and the less they have to be responsible for. So these people are ideal for delegating responsibility to. You see it with siblings. Grandparents or parents are ill. They'll find the weakest family member that they could put that burden on and say, hey, you got to take care of mom and dad. You got to take care of grandma and grandpa. And the siblings may decide, yeah, let's let the youngest do it. Let let the one who's in the closest geographical location do it. And at first this person may think this is an honor to do it. But see, it's fused with the guilt of not helping their parents and, and our grandparents. But the reality is, is that they put that burden on their shoulders. So, therefore, they feel as though, I'm not going to fail my grandparents, I'm not going to fail my parents. When in actuality, their siblings have failed them by helping them, by not helping them help their grandparents or parents. But we don't think about that. We're too busy focused on the task at hand. Now, these people are are hard workers, they're worker bees, they do their job, they do their things. But the problem is, they get exploited a lot. And sometimes they can't differentiate their altruistic uh, endeavors from being used. And so they're constantly out there trying to make sure they measure up. If they're going to go and do something for someone, they're going to go up and beyond the scope of what needs to happen. And they do this for a reason. They don't want to be embarrassed. They don't want to be shamed. They don't want to be blamed. And they don't want to, again, have to assume guilt. Well, it was your fault that the party was a disaster. Why did you bring Andre Cole Duck and you could have brought uh, Moe Champagne? It can also be very micro-aggressive where they could come in and hit you with the little things to make you jump higher next time, to make you improve next time on something that they may not even have an interest in, but just to keep you busy. Now, what you will face a lot of times if you're a people pleaser are thankless people. You know, that friend that you let move in to get on their feet and they don't have a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out of, and yet they're going to curse you out in your own house, and they're going to tell you what you need to do with your life, and they don't have a job, they don't have any money, and they're living under your roof. And you're still trying to accommodate them by taking their trash, listening to them, and trying to improve when in essence you need to stand up for yourself and kick their ass out of your house. 
but some of you get to that point or you're so softened until you get to that point because you don't want to be criticized. And between the appeasers and the people pleasers, that's one thing that they fear the most, criticism. Because that leads to blame, shame, and guilt. And that's a weak spot. That's their Achilles heel. And so they're always trying to improve, trying to make themselves feel better. And see that people pleaser, they want to be acknowledged. Because see, as long as they're acknowledged, they feel as though it's worth it. But see, the problem is they can't differentiate between genuine acknowledgement and superficial acknowledgement. And before you know it, this person may go and volunteer to do something, and this is usually the way appeasers and pleasers approach things. They will volunteer to keep the peace. They will volunteer in order to make sure that the finger is never pointed at them. And these are the very people that feel as though they have arrived when other members of a group start talking to them and telling them how bad other people are that they may know. And they feel as though they're on the in crowd. You see this a lot in high school. That kid that doesn't fit in, but they appease their other friends by buying them lunch or something of that sort. And then once they seem like they're cool, even though they've been exploited and used, when they start talking about someone else and making them the villain, this person feels more empowered. Self-esteem rises a bit, and they feel like they belong to something. Because see, another aspect of this is that feasers, pleasers, and appeasers, they also may be searching for an identity. And in relationships, that's important to them. They have some sort of name recognition. The lady may be married to a millionaire, and she goes around to the restaurants and says, don't you know who I am? I'm so-and-so's wife. They're riding off the coattails of that other person's effort, and they use that to their advantage. Because with the person that they're trying to please or appease, guess what they're not going to do? They're not going to go and rear their chest up in front of that person. They're going to go down line to someone who's under them so that they can get their recognition. That's where their ego kicks in. That's when their self-esteem is really kicking in. When they have someone less than them looking up to them because they're looking up to someone else. It's like a stack of dominoes. When you knock them over, they're next in line, right? And that's what happens. Now, another thing about these pleasers is that they will always try to be in the know with the people who are kind of like the clique. So they always want to have their feelers out. You'll see couples go to parties. And of course, the boyfriend or husband and the woman may split to work the room. And then later on, they come back and they consolidate and they tell each other what's going on in each little group. And they may try to figure out a way in order to make sure they're not alienated from that group by in some way doing something. Like, for instance, I'll give you an example. Monica and I used to go into a party in the Hollywood Hills. And there were a lot of socialites there. And it was this one couple. And they were coming around and, you know, he was going on one side of the room, she was on the other side of the room. They were working the room and everything. And then afterwards, with the person through a lavish party at their residence, rather small though inexpensive, the Hollywood Hills. But still, this couple made it a point to 
grandstand and say, well, you know, next month we're throwing a party at our place in Pacific Palisades and we would love for you guys to attend. And of course they were doing that trying to fit in. Well, Monica and I attended. I would say maybe 10 people out of the people that attended that function that we went to for about a hundred and some people, about 10 people showed up, including us. They were gravely disappointed. The wife talked about it the whole evening. They're ungrateful. I can't believe this. We went out of our way. We had lobster and all of these other things and they didn't show up. That was the gist of that whole gathering that night. And she was openly complaining about it to us. Now, the interesting thing was this. She was more upset about not getting that affirmation of them being accepted in those circles. And that was a big thing to them. Because they associated that with their status, their clout. And being that they didn't get that, they really felt marginalized. And after the event, Monica was telling me, she said, you know, it's really shameful that they banked on that for some sort of recognition or identity. And I told her, you were thinking the same thing I was. Because that's what it came down to. And we never saw that couple going out like that again to different functions because of that great disappointment they experienced. More in a minute, folks. Now that I've described what appeasers and pleasers are, people pleasers in particular, you have to ask yourself the question, am I a fool if you're one of those people? A fool for love, a victim, a self-hater, or a masochist? See, a masochist, we'll start with that first, they have a sense of sexual arousal from being in a position where they are in some way self-sabotaging. They don't feel as though they're worthy. And so they literally do this, and sometimes they do it subconsciously. And it could derive from childhood experiences where they had thankless parents that required a lot out of them. And this kid is trying to do all of these things to get that parent's love. And no matter what they've done, it doesn't work. They never got that affirmation. They never got the hugs. They never got the love. They never got the recognition. Now, juxtaposition. They get with a guy who's that same way. Or they get with a woman. A guy may get with a woman that same way who is indifferent towards him and he's trying to appease her and please her. Well, what happens then, it gets to a point where it becomes kind of an erotic thing. Yeah, I want to get her to smile, I want to get her to open up, and I want to get her. And the way they look at it is, the more they do, the more they get. That's the mindset. And so, that affirmation, that love, those things that they didn't get from their parents or from the past, they're trying to get it out of that person. Now, sometimes that person may not have it to give them. And chasing a carrot is how they wind up staying in these relationships so long. And so, Maybe they do something and finally get that partner to become intimate with them and to show them love. Well, they'll dwell on that moment forever, even though their partner may only do it because they did that one thing for them 
part that one event occurred, and then they go through that lull where there's nothing else going on intimately until that person knocks it out of the park again. You know, it's like the people who only roots for Super Bowl team when they go to the Super Bowl. Throughout the season, they don't care. This is the same kind of mindset with these individuals. Now, there's another aspect of this that we have to look at too. And that is, you have to ask yourselves, does this person go into relationship after relationship with these same expectations? Oh, I have to go in. I have to please this person. I have to get their affirmation so I can feel as though I have an identity, so I can feel as though I have a place in this world, so I can feel as though I've been loved. All these elements are missing in many of these folks, and they're broken. So when they come to you on these dating sites and dating apps, they're in different stages of condition. And some of you notice this. When you say, oh, that person's too clean. Oh, that person's just like a brick wall. Oh, this person, I can't really feel them out yet. Because, see, one thing you have to remember about pursuing relationships, there's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of distrust, as we know. So, with that, people are going to be very guarded, very skeptical, and the first thing they're going to draw back on are all of those experiences. And if they were negative, it's going to come to the forefront. But, if a person's expecting failure through self-sabotage or some sort of masochist, masochist uh, mindset, they don't mind that because that turns them on. That actually motivates them. There are guys who like to be rejected by women just so that they can try to win them over and feel as though they conquered the world when they've been intimate with them for the first time. This is the reason why ladies want to talk about you having those standards that are set too high. These are the kind of guys that you'll get in your world. These guys that are just going for you because it's an erotic thrill. And no matter how you talk them out, they're appeasing you. They're doing everything possible, pleasing your friends and all the rest. Because their goal at that point is just to sleep with you. And after they've done that, some of them will catch a release. They'll let go. Others will hang around and wait for the next time that you're going to do the same thing with them. And this is the reason why you have a lot of these guys who hold out for you, who you tell them no sex before marriage, <laughs> and they'll still hang in there. Because to them it's an anticipatory thing. Now, you also have the self sabotager. The difference is with this person they are already conscious that they're going too far. They're familiar with that feeling of being used. They are prone to failure because, believe it or not, that's what they dwell in. So, you set your standards as high as you want to, they don't mind. They already expect the outcome to be negative because that's where they perceive themselves. That's the reason why they pursue you. These are the folks that will say they would rather be rejected by a, an attractive person over someone that's not so attractive. <clears throat> because to them, it's an ego boost. It's like getting rejected from Harvard but never applying at Indiana State. So therefore, they get a thrill out of being rejected by someone that they revere so much. So 
if they will please, they will please that person. And even if they get rejected or just keep the peace with that person, to them that's better than going down the line or going down the ranks. They'd rather be rejected by someone that they put on a pedestal than someone that would put them on a pedestal. That's the way they work. It's kind of weird, but these folks are like that. Again, think about their background. If they were a child, and no matter what they did, the parents always expected them to fail. Failure then becomes a companion of theirs. It becomes something where they start to perceive themselves as a failure. And so, even when they have an opportunity to be successful, they will look for the failure within that success in order to fail. They do this with relationships. These are the people that will love bomb you. These are the people that will go overboard with you. These are the people that will be so annoying with you that you reject them. And they will consider that a compliment for themselves. Or you put them at a distance as a friend. They will consider that an honor. Now let's talk about the fool for love. This is the person who gaslights themselves. They please and appease. And usually they do both. They people please and they appease their partner. They will do anything to be loved. Now these people just don't want to be liked. With friends, they want to be endeared. They want to be loved. That's very important to them. These individuals will actually take someone unfriending them online as an insult. And they will do whatever it takes in order to get back with that person as a friend. These people will apologize when it's unwarranted, even when they were wronged by that person. They will go out of their way. They'll pay for dinner. They'll do whatever it takes in order to win that person over. Because they live their lives like a politician. You know how a politician goes and pander for votes? That's what these folks do. The Fool for Love does this a lot. Now, the sad thing about it is that, again, in all of these cases, these people have gone past moral boundaries. In the case of the person who self-sabotages or self-hates, they have no boundaries for the most part because they don't respect themselves enough to have them. So, what happens? These individuals will go, get into these relationships, get dogged out, and try to uh, perpetrate victimhood. You go and get into a new relationship with these folks, and they can go and tell you about every person in their past that's dogged them out. And you sit there, you listen, and they say, oh yeah, well, you know, I went and bought him clothes, and got him from jail, and cleaned him off, and let him use my car, and he dogged me out. And this is not a one-time thing. And so now they have the attitude that, you know, men ain't worth a damn. Well, they don't look at the caliber of men they dealt with ain't worth a damn. And you have to think about it. If they were associated with her, she's not worth a damn. Same thing if it was a guy with a woman that did that. But they want to distance themselves from that partner by blaming that partner for, for what has happened to them. Now, here is the thing. When a person sees that you're a victim, or you're positioning yourself to be a voluntary victim, and there's a difference from an actual victim than a voluntary victim. An actual victim usually learns from that experience, and they're traumatized by it. And guess what? 
it's usually one experience that they go through. They're not professional victims. They can't sit there and tell you 10 or 15 incidents where this has happened in relationships consistently, where they've been used for their generosity. They've appeased that person and done all these things for them. Usually, they learn the first time. And they may mention it one time, and that's it. But they learn that lesson and know what to look for. See, the problem you have, folks, with many of these people you meet on the dating scene in general, is that a lot of them never learned their lessons from their past relationships. What they've done is taken the past relationship and they have brought it forward into your current one. So they're still existing in the same mindset they were in the past relationships and they've done this perpetually from one to the next to the next to the next to the next. Same behavior, same pattern. And so they're emotionally insane. Think about it. Insanity is what? To find it's doing the same thing over again with no changes, expecting a different result. You know, like when you have a whole thing of keys and you're trying to open a door and you're going through your keys, what happens? After you go through all those keys and none of those keys work, you know then, okay, I don't have the key. Let me check my pockets to see where it is. But a lot of people, what they'll do, they'll still go through those keys. It's got to work. It's got to work. Instead of searching somewhere else. And that's the distinction. You got to modify your approach. And you also have to really learn from your past lessons. A bad relationship is more of a lesson than anything else. Learning from it is key. That's the logical side. The emotional side is to still stay angry, stay guarded, and stay scared. And then get to a point where you know you're going into a new relationship and the similar characteristics are coming up, but instead of you focusing on, hey, how did I contribute to the way I was treated in the past relationships, you start focusing on the way that person perceives you in this relationship and you're seeing the same deja vu and what is coming down is they're treating you just as other people perceive you on how you treat yourself. Now, we're going to talk more in the next segment. Finally, let's talk about the self-haters. Now, you hear a lot of people talk about self-haters as somebody who's a certain race, and they're going outside of their race to date someone else. That's the dumbest concept ever. doesn't make any sense. Because if you hated yourself, oh, trust me, you would not be trying to go and save yourself by getting in other relationships. So we know that that's a fallacy. So let's deal with the reality of self-hate. A person who hates themselves, it's a detrimental thing. What they really hate are some of the choices they made in life. And also some of the things they were exposed to without their consent. You know that parent that talks down to their kids? Tells them they're not going to be anything. Tell them they look like shit. Whatever it is. Well, that kid takes that to heart. And they, that helps form their child's perception. Now, if they're not around any other countering arguments, they begin to believe that. And once they have that low self-esteem anvil put around their neck, they feel worthless. They don't have an identity. They feel as though they have no talents, no abilities. They're void as they feel it. 
And so with this sense of hopelessness, if they run across somebody in their lives, they may think that that person is too good for them. And just to keep someone around so they're not so isolated, they begin to appease. They begin to please. They go this, that, and a third for that person. Because they're afraid if that person leaves, they have no identity, they have no notoriety, they have no recognition. You know, there was a graffiti artist in Los Angeles by the name of Chaka. And his work was everywhere in Los Angeles, on top of the freeways, on the walls. They were on the, um, um, what was the name of the group? Uh, with Kurt Cobain, uh, Nirvana was on their video as well. Very popular man. And when they interviewed him, he grew up in a bad neighborhood. And he said that was the only way he could express himself to let the world know that he existed. That was the last thing he had to his name that kept him someone that he could at least halfway respect. And it really wasn't him that he was respecting. It was his expression that he was respecting. And that was the thing that kept him alive. Now, when we look at this with relationships, this is what these people do when they go out and appease and please. They're expressing themselves, not through graffiti, but they're expressing themselves emotionally in a way by saying, hey, take my appeasement. It's my loyalty. It's something that I want to be recognized for, something I want to be seen for, it's something I want to at least have where I feel like I'm human, where I feel like I'm a part of society in some kind of way, where I feel as though I'm being heard, even if what I'm saying is nothing more than just a gaslight you and pat you on the back, I'm being heard and you at least acknowledging me in some kind of way. And see, that acknowledgement could mean the delegation of one task on that person, non-reciprocity. As long as that person feels as though they're doing something for a cause, they don't care. They don't care if they get anything back. The same thing goes true with the people pleasers. They're looking for that same thing. They're looking for an identity. They're looking for status. They're looking for recognition. They're looking for clout. Why do you think all these kids are now out on YouTube and on these different platforms? Because they want to be heard. Half of them are just telling you about their lives and their childhood. Because that's all they got. Many of them are in their 20s and 30s expressing themselves in words that they couldn't say when they were 15 and 14. Because nobody listened, not even the parents. And so, many of these folks will literally go out and let people trample all over them, borrow money from them and not pay it back, being in a relationship and not get any love back from their partner, and do everything for them. Partner wants a threesome, they'll appease them with a threesome. Anything. They would lower their standards, throw their standards away, just so that they could be recognized, just so that they can get an attaboy on the head. Men and women do this. Because, see, we have to realize it. We're dealing with a broken social system in our country when it comes to people. And the reason why we're dealing with this is because nobody wants to face the truth. The way America is set up, 
it's an individualistic society. We only come together in times of crisis. Think about it. Outside of that, everybody's in their neutral corner. If a person doesn't know you, (laughs) they have no concern about you. You've heard the term, better him than me, right? And that's part of the problem. But we don't think about that. We're very centric in our view. We think that people live like us through our lens until we find out differently. And then we're shocked. I remember in Los Angeles, there was a guy from Alabama. And uh, we and some other friends were talking one day. And he said, I remember when I was a child, I had to eat clay dirt. And so the rest of the guys were laughing. And he and I were the only two not laughing. And they said, What's, what, why are you guys not laughing? And I said, it's not funny. I said, I'm from Mississippi, and I knew people who ate clay dirt when there was nothing to eat. And the gentleman from Alabama was upset because they were laughing. But they didn't understand the concept. They were from different parts of the country, so they wouldn't. And they were assuming that everybody, because you're in America, that you're at least living a halfway decent life. And what I told them was, that wasn't the case. There were people I knew in Mississippi that didn't even have windows in their homes. They had a front door, but they couldn't afford the window panes. They still had outhouses. Now some of them have graduated to septic tanks. And then when they would get money, they'd go and get this beautiful house and have an outhouse out back. Because they didn't want to ruin their living experience or they didn't have plumbing. They didn't want to pay for the plumbing. A lot of folks didn't understand that. And you have to remember, when you're dealing with someone new, they're going to reveal things to you that you probably never heard of before. And what you have to understand is, that's what they experienced. You can't take that away from them. Because they experienced that you didn't. And in many cases, you should be thankful that you had not to live through that situation, and they had to. Because that person will give you a better understanding of what it was like. And this is going to have an impact on the way they perceive life and on their agenda in life. This is one of the reasons why when you see a lot of black women, a lot of minority women, they don't want to be poor. That's the reason why they align themselves with these designer labels and names. They try to go for as much prestige as possible because a lot of them came from abject poverty and they don't want to go back and so they're projecting these aspirations of wealth and they're trying to associate a value with them and these are the very women that will turn down a thirty or fifty thousand dollar a year man to go for a hundred thousand dollar a year man and appease the hell out of him and people please his friends in order to never kiss the lips of poverty again this is what they do this is the way society has it 
not just in America, in many parts of the world. You know, I'll never forget. I was going on a blind date with a lady. And this friend of mine, she was white. And she was going to hook me up with one of her friends. Because she thought that, you know, I'd be ideal for it. And I met her friend. Her friend was white as well. And it was funny the way she told me this. She said, don't you know, when she told me about you, she says, brace yourself because there's something I got to tell you about it. And she said, she whispered to her, he's black. And she said, it kind of offended me the way she said it because she said, it sounded like you had some kind of disease that she had to warn me about. The interesting thing, that mutual friend of ours would let go by the wayside because she thought she was doing her girlfriend a favor just because she was by herself. But what it came down to, she was like, well, you know, I know this black guy and maybe I could just hook you up with him. You'd be at least dating somebody. And she told me about that. And me and the young lady, we dated for about, I think I dated Sheila for about seven, eight months. But we had a lot of fun together. We learned a lot from each other. She was a very wise young lady. And she told me, she says, you know, I'm going to move to Australia. Because she was into, like, animals and that kind of thing, saving animals and all of that. And she was like, well, you ought to come with me. No. Mm-mm. And she went down under. And she did pretty well for herself, from what I understand. But that's the thing, people. We have to go beyond the scope of our insecurities in life sometimes. And we have to face them and call them as they are. No one wants to be a perpetual victim. No one wants to be this person that people always delegate responsibility to without acknowledging and saying, hey, you know what, you've done this. Let me do this because you've done this reciprocity you do a lot of things folks and sometimes you're not acknowledged for it and they take your kindness for weakness as you've always heard and they start taking you for granted don't allow this to be you take care folks it was a pleasure tune in on the 14th for more Romantic Truth would like to take this opportunity and applaud our listeners and over 40 countries for their support. If you need someone to talk to in regards to help, you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, available 24 hours. All correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show. The views and opinions of this podcast does not reflect those of Romantic Truth, Anchor, Spotify, or any of its affiliates. The opinions expressed are solely those of the host and guests, and should not be deemed as professional guidance, advice, or a professional practice. In the event you may need professional assistance, contact your local federal, state, or county agencies for specific assistance in social services, family counseling, or mental health services. 
For all medical, legal, and financial services please contact the appropriate licensed and certified professionals within your region. The music that is provided on this podcast that is not provided by Anchor is used under waiver by Jaws and One Music for fair use. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is under copyright by Romantic Truth and James Adams.